0: Well, good morning and welcome to Hochma and Coffee for this October 28th. I hope that you're all having a great and wonderful morning. We're going to bring on our special guest, Jonah, here with us. If my uh, computer will bring him over, let's see. Oh, it's it's not. Oh, there we go. Now he's here. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Oh, good. And it's good to have you on this morning. And thanks. He actually preached uh for us this last Sunday and somebody got saved. What's that what all glory to God, but that's so exciting. And there was the woman at the well, right, that you were preaching on.
1: Man. Absolutely. Wow. That's
0: super exciting. And oh, yeah. uh so we were up in Wooden Valley Baptist Church, which is in the Seattle area. And I just want to tell you, if you live in the Seattle area, you should go and check it out. Go to Wooden Valley Baptist Church. Great church up there. But I'm thankful that uh, you were there this Sunday for us at Grants Pass. And like, man, it's exciting to see a soul saved. I was literally like, I had to fight back tears because I got the message as I was walking up to go preach up there. I'm like what somebody's getting saved this is huge that's why we do what we do but I'm thankful for you to be here with us this morning and for all those who are watching thankful that you're here as well we're going to be diving into some interesting territory we're jumping into Hebrews 7 today and so stay tuned but we've got to do a little bit of our housekeeping and so we've got this free hochmein coffee phone background for you if you would like that that's there Also, if you get the background and you haven't been getting our email updates about when we're going live and things like that, if you download this background, you'll also get the updates on when we're going live and different things like that. So that's there for you. We also have our cool mug club. If you haven't got one already, you can snag yours today. But then I wanna say a huge thank you, okay? A huge thank you to our Everything Church Pro supporters. And we have their names here because they have been with us, these five, for almost like two years. Even during the time of COVID when I wasn't able to post because we were planting the church and everything, they were just faithful. And we got Judy Murphy, Gary Pence, we've got Maggie Diaz, Kathy Earnhardt, Cindy Erickson, and Gary just sent me something that we'll have to review on the channel in a little bit. He sent me this right here, the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. So I'm going to be reviewing that once I do enough study with it. But I'm excited. And I just wanted to take time and say thank you to all of you. You guys have been a blessing. And that's why we've been able to continue on and do the things we're doing. And so thank you, guys. It's, that's huge. And so we are going to be diving into the text. Are you ready, Jonah?
1: <laughs> oh,
0: let's just go for it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, I'm just going to come over to the Bible here. And so what we'll probably do for the layout is we'll read through the text. We'll jump back into the flow of thought and their, their mindset, and then we'll just work verse by verse through it. Okay. And so, um, I'll read through verses one. Actually, we'll just read through the entire chapter, which is 28 verses. So everybody bear with us, but we got to let the word do the speaking and then we will jump into it together. So let's look at chapter seven, verse one. It says this for this Melchizedek, King of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, "...having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually." Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, this is big, the less is blessed of the better. The less is blessed of the better. And here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also, who receiveth tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If, therefore, perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law... What further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth unto another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there riseth another priest who is made not after the law of, uh, of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there, is, for, for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swore and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once when he offered up himself, for the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the son who is consecrated ever more. And you can see that the argument continues. So we're we're having to stop midway, but this is, this is dense. I, I, I don't know if you could pick that up by just the reading. There's some parts where you're kind of like, wait, what, what's he talking about? How is this happening? And so uh, Jonah, I, I, I think that as we've been diving into this, we've, we've talked about the Hebrew mindset and what they're going through and how they're tempted to return back to Judaism. Right. And mm. so as we're jumping back into it, what are some things we, you think we should keep in our minds as we're diving back into this text right here? Uh,
1: I want... oh, God. Sorry, me, I don't want to cough in the <laughs> mic. Oh. So I do believe, um, even as we were discussing uh, just yesterday, um, I started, as we get into some of these interesting verses, I had to just take a step back and just say, hold on. What are we even trying to say right now? So before we got to chapter seven, this penman is trying to get these Hebrews to understand, first of all, that this Christ is better than he said, Moses, he said, he's better than Abraham. Um, and so what in the world he, he has mentioned that he is a high priest and all of that. And so um, now the Hebrews might be wondering, first of all, how is this guy better than Moses? How is this guy better than Abraham? And third, how is he even a priest? Yeah, uh, I believe this Christ, this Jesus was from a different tribe. He's not even allowed to be a priest according to our um, culture or tradition or whatever. And so I am scratching my head and I think this is where Hebrews seven comes in. He's saying, yeah, he's not from this normal tribe of Levi or whatever. But I will show you how he is a priest, and so I think this is where he's starting to break it down. He truly is, He's and we even read it, he is from Judah, he yeah. is king, but he's also, yes, he's he's a priest that's better than any other priest that you've had.
0: That's so huge, and, and I just want to remind everybody, when I'm looking up here, I'm looking at you, when I'm looking down here, I'm looking at Jonah, so I'm not ignoring him when I'm looking down here. Uh, but I, I think what you said was very key, that they might be wondering you know, how could he be a priest? Like, how does that work? And, and you're not you're not even really um, surmising that. It's a true question that they still have today. I was watching um, a Jewish rabbi talking about this, and he says, Jesus couldn't be a priest, and that's something that the Christians made up because blah, 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 blah. And so this was a question that's, that's still asked today by Jewish people and, and was evidently asked back then. How could Jesus, who was from the tribe of Judah, and the kingly line of David also be a priest? Because we saw back in the Old Testament that you couldn't really merge the two roles. And when you tried, you were in trouble. Like we saw with Saul, he tried to take unto himself some things that he shouldn't, and it was a very dangerous situation. So how could the Messiah be a priest. And how could he be better than the priest they could see with their eyes? Because they were tempted to go back. And the whole thing is don't go back. Jesus is better. He's better than the high priest you have even now. And so that's kind of what we're picking up. And we're picking up with this guy named Melchizedek, Melchizedek. And I'm sorry, if I say his name differently, all these different times, it's a weird name, but Melchizedek, We first see him in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, Melchizedek is only mentioned in a few verses. Like I I think we should go there. Uh, Genesis, what is it? Is it Genesis 14 that we see him first? Genesis 14 right here. I'm going to make this a little bit bigger for us. But here in Genesis 14, we see... The only mention besides Psalms of Melchizedek, and so here we see that basically Abraham has just gone out, fought, and gotten his 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 uh, his nephew Lot. I, I always think it's a nephew lot or cousin lot. I think it's nephew lot. And then yeah. we have him rescue him after fighting all these kings. And then we have in verse 18 and Melchizedek, king of Salem brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And he, and blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And then he Abraham gave him Melchizedek, tides of all. And then he's just gone. He's just like gone off the scene until Psalms. And so this is a mysterious man to say the least. Someone we don't know much about. And so I just want to give that grace disclaimer again. Give grace as Melchizedek is an interesting figure. And I know that there are many different views. And so today, I actually just want to open this up. Comment below. Do you think There's the options. Do you think that Melchizedek was just a man who typified Christ? Just a man that typified Christ. Or do you think he was a pre-incarnate, uh, uh, display of Christ. I want to see in the comments your thoughts, and then we'll talk about ours. But we're going to jump into the verses here and just start walking through them with you, okay? So verse number one, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without the sent having neither beginning of days nor end of life but made like unto the son of god abideth a priest continually okay so we're jumping into the beginning here and and we can see he's really trying to show how amazing and how christ like or how jesus like Melchizedek is and so we see a lot here and I want Jono I want you to jump in what are some things that you see in verses 1 through 3 that we've got to take notice of Uh,
1: this is we'll just say this first part of the chapter this is where all the fun is Um, it, it can obviously like you just said man this is kind of confusing it sounds like this is Christ but then other times like well is this Christ um, because even verse 3, without father, without <clears throat> mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abides a priest continually, um, regardless of who it is, uh, we're going to see that near the end of this chapter, uh, it's going to just compare Christ to who this Melchizedek was. And we can already see how it can easily uh compare Christ uh to it uh, but we can already see yeah uh, Abraham gave a tenth part we just read that in Genesis 14 um but then some people think when we read verse 2 uh being interpret or by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of Salem was his king of peace well Melchizedek it literally means king of righteousness so it's not like giving him a title um it's literally just interpreting what his name means and then King of Salem is king of peace and so I uh, just want to make that clear but yeah these first so, three verse so here's the yeah.
0: question uh, with King of Salem and this is this is something that we just want to give you guys to think about if Salem was a real place on earth and he was actually the king there then I wouldn't believe this is a pre-incarnate form of Jesus okay so this is this is what we have to wrestle with. If that's a real place and he was actually ruling and reigning on the earth as a human, then I wouldn't say this is a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. I would say that this would be uh, a man who really typified who Jesus was. Now, if this is saying king of Salem and this is king of the heavenly Jerusalem, then this could be a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. And so we're just, I want to throw you out all the things you need to think about if you're going to make a decision on this. Now, truthfully, if you make a decision one way or the other, you could still be a great, fantastic Christian, but I'm just, we're walking, working through this. And this is a question that I often get asked is it, was he Jesus? Was he not? I want you to think if Salem was a real place on earth that he was king of, then this couldn't have been Jesus because Jesus, he didn't become a man until Bethlehem. And so he wouldn't have lived his entire life as a king there uh, on the earth at this time. And so you'd have to say, no, this was a type of Christ, but not actually Christ. But if you say that Salem was the heavenly Jerusalem, then you can keep this going. Does that, does that sound fair?
1: Yeah. And that's okay. why I, I'm I'm pretty sure. And when, I, when we just read Genesis 14... That's the conclusion I come to when I read it. It doesn't seem like it goes literal, literal, and then this is not a real king of Salem as we see king of Sodom and all that. And so um, they just every single that's the that's the beauty about Christianity. Uh, We we believe uh, uh, individual soul liberty. So (laughs) you have to uh, make your own decision on some of those hard things and allow the spirit of truth to guide you into all truth. But
0: yeah, no, it's, it is interesting seeing it go from king, 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 there actual kings, and then king of Salem just pops in there. Is this yep. an actual Salem that they would have known, like Jerusalem on the earth? Mm-hmm. Or was this the heavenly Jerusalem? I mean, it seems like it might be the real one, but we have some more things to wrestle with. <laughs> like, and then we have here verse three, without father, without mother. This is not saying that he actually didn't have a father. Okay, so we've got to be clear um, that this isn't saying he didn't have a father, he didn't have a mother, um, because if, if that was true, then this couldn't have been Jesus, because Jesus has a father, and we know that. And you say, well, Joseph? No, I'm talking about the heavenly father. He, he's got a father, and so he can't say without father. Uh, without mother, Jesus can't be without mother either. Jesus has a mother. And so if this was the pre-incarnate form, then we could say this was the heavenly Jerusalem, but we still couldn't say without father. And so so this is interesting. I believe what he's trying to say here is that in the text we don't get to hear his lineage. And the reason why that is big because the lineage is everything in the priesthood of the Levitical rite because it was all based on where you tied back to Aaron. And so this is why he's saying this isn't tied to father, this isn't tied to mother, this isn't tied to descent. This isn't tied to any of those things, but no, he's made like unto the son of God in the text of scripture. We're meaning he doesn't have beginning of days or end of life. We don't get to see that. We don't get to see his 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 beginning or his end. He just is a priest that pops onto the scene and we never see his beginning or end. And so I believe that's what he's trying to say here. Uh, would you agree? I, I know we're only on the first three verses and we got to start yeah. picking it up here. But is that what yeah, you think?
1: I would, I would agree. Because uh, if you take it any other way, it just wouldn't make any Since, like you've already explained. So
0: yeah. And if you have questions, you can leave those in the comments. We'd love to look at those, but let's keep going. Verse number four says, now consider how great this man was. Okay. So this is, this is what he's trying to show us here. The argument of chapter seven isn't, is Melchizedek Jesus or not? That's not the argument. And we can get sidetracked there. The argument is this, look at how great Melchizedek was. This is what he's trying to show us, and and the reason is He's wanting to show us that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. He's trying to show us that Melchizedek is greater than Abraham. Why? You can comment your thoughts below. We're going to talk about it in a second. But he's showing, look at this. Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And I'm not going to read this all again. We see in verse 5, verse 6, we we see him talking about how much greater Melchizedek is. And there's a couple ways that he's greater. Number one. That Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. That's one way that we see Melchizedek is greater, even than the Levitical priesthood, because it says in verses 9 and 10 that Levi was in Abraham when he paid tithes. So basically, Levi was paying tithes to this, Le- to this Melchizedek person. So that's one way he's better. The second way he's better is that he blesses Abraham. He blesses Abraham. And verse 7 says, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And so he's trying to show us Melchizedek is better, right? I I, I think it's that simple. Am I oversimplifying it?
1: No, this is literally what he's saying, because verse 7 literally says, this order is better. Melchizedek is better. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is... This is is literally what the penman is trying to get these Jews to understand.
0: Yes. Okay, so this is a Bible study moment that if you're here and you're listening and you're wondering, how do I study the Bible? Please, just see see how simple this really is. We can get lost in a lot of things here um, that aren't what the text is trying to say. And a lot of people, that's how they come to their Bible, and they get lost in a lot of things the text was never trying to get across. Our goal is just to see what is it trying to say. And the argument is just, is very simple. The argument is this, Melchizedek, his priesthood, Melchizedek himself is better than Abraham. Which is is crazy to say, since we we see how high Abraham is held in our faith and in their faith as well. And so when he's saying Melchizedek is better than Abraham, we're supposed to stop and listen. Like, okay, who is this Melchizedek guy? And he's going to build on this argument. Melchizedek better than Abraham. Melchizedek is better than Levi and the whole priesthood. And so let's look at verse 11 as he's now trying to take this argument somewhere further. Look at what he says. He says, if therefore perfection. Okay, this is big. If perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there uh, uh, that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek? Okay, friends, now we've just seen his first argument. His first argument was Melchizedek was better. But what is he saying here? Friends, you got it. You got it. You gotta be pulling this out. I wish we had some people tapping in the comments. You might be getting ready for work and stuff, but the, this is huge. What is he saying here? What's the development of this priesthood? Why is he saying if perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, why why would there be another priest after the order of Melchizedek? Right? I think this is this is such a key pivotal verse in all of Hebrews, but especially in Hebrews seven. What are your thoughts, Jonah?
1: Yeah. Um, When we were discussing this yesterday, I had to just really focus on what it was trying to ask. But yeah, it's literally asking if someone could be made complete under the Levitical priesthood. So if we go back in time in our minds and think, okay, if... The people brought their uh, animals, their sacrifices, their offerings and all that to the priest, And he offered up these sacrifices and all that. And they follow the law and all that, because it even says for under it, the people receive the law. And so the law also had a part in this Levitical priesthood. If everything could be made right with this Levitical priesthood, then why would we need another? And so that's what this penman's saying. And so we might be thinking as uh, 2022 Americans, wait, there was another law, these Hebrews, they know, oh, there was a place in Psalm where the Lord swore, as we read already in this chapter, you're gonna be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so now the Hebrews are thinking, yeah, why would there need to be ever any other kind of priesthood after another different kind of order if this priesthood was able to make everything right. Ah, uh, so now this guy is trying to bring up this question: Why, why, why would we need another order if we already have a Levitical priesthood? And so, okay,
0: okay. So I, I just want to pause and make sure is, is everyone following this. I know this. You might be thinking, and a lot of people they only study the portions of the Bible that that feel like they feed them in the moment, and that's a danger. And I think that's that's back to Hebrews five where he talks about, you guys need to go past that and go further into the deeper things, because he was upset that they didn't, they didn't know about Melchizedek, and they didn't know about Jesus being in order of Melchizedek. He said, guys, go forward. And, and so I know many people, they won't, they won't stick through a podcast that's talking about things. when they're, This is what most people ask themselves when they're reading the Bible. What does this have to do with me right now? And sometimes God says, put that on hold for right now and study this out, not knowing why this is going to help you, but just trust me, it's in the Word. It's going to change you in some way. And so I just want to put that out there right now. If you're like, well, what does this have to do with me right now? We'll get there. We'll get there in a minute. We really will. But we've got to dive into this because it's in the Word for a reason. But I love what you were saying there when you are talking about this. If perfection, if we could be made complete by the Levitical system, why would God promise another system? Another person coming, a priest forever after not the order of Aaron, but the order of Melchizedek. So that's a very, very vital thing that we got to see here. He's making the argument that Jesus was always going to be a priest based on that psalm, okay? And so I hope we're all on the same page moving through this. He says for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> uh, he's telling them there's going to be a new testament. Let's just let's just leave it there. And that's not new Jeremiah, I believe it's Jeremiah. We didn't have time to look that up right now. Uh, but Jeremiah I believe talks about the new testament that would be written on their hearts. So he says, This new priesthood shows there's going to be a new law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. So he's saying, Yeah, we know he's from Judah. We know that the law says nothing about uh, Jude- Judeans being priests, but he says it's far more evident that a priest after the order of Melchizedek is arising. That's, that's verse 15. That's far more evident. You think it's evident that Moses said nothing about a Judean being a priest? Well, it's far more evident that there is gonna be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And he says, who was made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before the weakness and the unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. Okay, so let's stop here. This is kind of the completion of the argument we started just a second ago, saying the law couldn't couldn't make us who we were meant to be. In the beginning, we were broken by by the fall. And the the law could never fix the brokenness. It could just point it out basically like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, you're broken, you're broken, you're broken." So we needed something better. The law couldn't make us perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, and that's the gospel. And so, what do you have there anything else to sum up that little argument right there?
1: No, I just uh it, I just know probably. I'm just using my imagination here. When the Jews received this letter at the very, the first time they read the, I, I can just see a lot of jaws dropping. Yeah. He just called the law weak. He just called it unprofitable. What in the world? It's almost sounding like some of the things that Jesus was telling these Pharisees and scribes. And he would say some things that the Pharisees thought and that not thought, I mean, they crucified him because he was saying some crazy things. Um, but this guy is sounding a whole lot like Jesus, saying some things like, it's weak. It's, it's just a schoolmaster is supposed to show you, is supposed to teach you that you're a sinner. It, can't, it, didn't, it wasn't ever intended to make everything perfect and right and complete. Yeah. And so now I can just imagine all these, these people, this is insane. What is this guy saying? <clears throat> but he's making a great
0: argument. He really is. And I think we got to realize that weakness is not evil. He's not saying that the law is bad. He's yep. just saying it couldn't do it. It couldn't, it couldn't make mm-hmm. you who you were meant to be. And so that's why he says in verse 19, the law made nothing perfect. It couldn't actually fix you. It just pointed out your errors. But Jesus, through the gospel, did. And he says, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And so we have these next few verses about the oath, which are really confusing. Okay. And so I'm not sure we understand this completely, but let's just give you the sense of what it's saying. Verses 20 through 22, he talks about how uh, he was not made without an oath, a priest. Uh, Yet it says in verse 21, the others were made without an oath. So we can just surmise, without having to dive too much into the Levitical, you know, the way that that all worked, that some, for some reason... They didn't get a certain type of oath, yet he did. And this was the oath that he had. The Lord swore and will not repent there in verse 21, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so he's trying to show they never got that kind of, that kind of oath from God that they will be a priest forever. Like that, that was never some kind of oath that God gave them yet. Jesus did get that oath. And so again, he's better. And that's what he's trying to show. He's better than the Levitical priesthood. And by so much, Jesus was made a surety of a better testament, a better testament. And so it says, and they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. This is actually a very key thing that's going to continue. I hope you make a mental note of this. This will continue being something you need to keep in your mind. These priests died and because they died, their priesthood changed. We had a different high priest this year and then a different high priest years later and a different high priest years later. But Jesus was different because this man continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood, an unchangeable priesthood. Okay, I think, should we read verse 25 and tie these all together here? I think this is where it gets practical. What do you think? Yeah, for so, sure. So, verse twenty-five, he says this: "Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them." What are your thoughts on this passage right here? These three verses kind of has it summarizing this big climax. What What, what are your thoughts? Uh,
1: I mean, I I love how I don't want to steal what you were saying uh, yesterday because. You had some juicy things about how uh, that word save. I'm, I'm not going to go into it because it's it, you, you explained it so well. But yeah, starting in verse 23, there were many priests because they kept dying. Um, and this man, he doesn't have to ever have, we don't need another priest. Yes, he died. We understand that. But we didn't need another priest because three days later he arose and he's uh, going to live on forever. And... And so he now, because he lives forever as our high priest, because, and we, I think it's later on, he died for our sins, um, in this chapter, he didn't have to die for his own sins. Yeah. Uh, he only had to die once, uh, for the sins of the entire world. Now he's able to save us to the uttermost. And I want you to talk about that because it's just so, it's so delectable, um, <laughs> How, how awesome that is. Um, but he, he's up there making an intercession for us.
0: And so this is, I think it's key because their, their priesthood changed. And I think we were talking about it yesterday about like the, the, uh, the, the, the cities of refuge and how it was very key that you were under like this this high priest and things like that. And so high priesthood changing was very, very important. And yet Jesus, he never changes his high priesthood. So there's always that salvation. There's always that security. And we were talking yesterday about the three different types of save. And some people say that he could save them to the uttermost and they just take this as justification. But it's actually not talking just about that. The salvation, we we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And so that's justification, sanctification, and glorification. And I believe he's talking about all three of these, especially two and three. He's saying he can take you from where you are, and you will be like Jesus one day. And that's that's going back to the law couldn't make you perfect, but Jesus can. And because he never dies, and because he never has to give up his priesthood, he can take you from where you are to where you need to be and you don't have to worry about the priesthood changing because he will ever live to make intercession for you. And it's just such a, such an encouraging thing knowing Jesus will never die again. He'll never have to give up his priesthood. He will take you from where you are and make you who you were meant to be. That's encouraging to me because I know I'm not who I'm supposed to be yet. And, and there's that old kid song, you know, he's still working on me. Uh, Mm. to make me what I ought to be. That's the truth, and I'm thankful for it. And I know that one day I will be like him. And one day, if you're listening to this, if you're saved, you will be like him because he is able to save us to the uttermost. He's able to get rid of all our sin and to make us completely like Jesus. That is huge. You're about to say something?
1: It's almost interesting. Uh, This is another thing that no other person would be saying about any other priest. Mm. I don't believe any... Person would say, "Yeah, the current high priest can save you. First of all, yeah. or even save you to the uttermost. No, we, they understand. Um, they are not the Messiah, because yeah. obviously the Jews believe that there is a Messiah coming. They, I think, they yeah. obviously missed the Messiah. They, they're still looking for him. Um, but yeah, this Christ, yeah, he, this high priest is able to save you." This is another reason why this priest is better than any Levitical priest, because Mm. any Levitical priest can't save you at all, let alone to the uttermost.
0: Yeah, that's huge. I think he's going to actually pick up your thought right there, because he says, for such a high priest became us, which is a delicious verse, who is holy, who is holy, who is harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily. And this is what I think he's kind of picking up what you're saying as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Jesus is the only high priest who once offered himself for our sins, whereas they have to continue to make sacrifices, which I believe he'll pick up later on. The continual sacrifice shows that his sacrifice was better than their sacrifice, because it says he did this once. He offered one sacrifice once when he offered up himself, and because of his offering up himself, he can save us to the uttermost. Friends, I love this. If you're here and you think maybe, maybe he's going to let you go, well, then you have to remember Romans 8. Who, or is it Romans 8 that says, who can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth, nor and he goes on list after list after list. Friend, nothing can separate you from Jesus, and Jesus will never have to forfeit his right to, to make you perfect. He has an unchangeable priesthood, so he can make you what you're supposed to be. You don't have to fear, and I love John 15. He says, abide in him, and he says that as we abide in him, he will produce fruit in us. He's working on you. He's making you who you're supposed to be. And so rest in your relationship with him. Abide close to him moment by moment, realizing he's saving you to the uttermost. He's making you what you're supposed to be. Friends, this is such a, a beautiful argument, and I think we should sum it up right here because it was dense. There was a lot of, of, of side roads that we had to take down, but I think this is the, the, the summary of this passage. Melchizedek is better than Abraham and Levi. Melchizedek is better than Abraham and Levi. Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Therefore, Jesus is better than Abraham and Levi. And because Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek, his priesthood never changes. And because his priesthood never changes, he can save you and he can save me to the uttermost, meaning he can make us just what we were always meant to be, and we'll never have to be lost. And so friend, if you're here today, realize Jesus is the better one. Follow Jesus. That's, that's the whole drive. Don't leave Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. He is all we need. He is everything we need. And I know it was a dense passage. I'm thankful for those of you who stuck it out. Uh, and if you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. I know we didn't have as many uh, interactions in the comments today as this is a dense passage. Maybe like, I don't even know what to ask. I don't know. Uh, this sounds great to me. I completely understand. But I'm thankful you guys are here. I really am. And if you have other things that you want us to dive into or dive in more deeply, deeply, let us know. And I I think we should end this. We have a couple minutes left by telling you our thoughts on whether or not Jesus or Melchizedek was Jesus. Does that sound like a a good activity? (laughs) And we'll give you our reasons and then we'll let you make your own decision. But I am still curious if you haven't commented, I want to hear your thoughts and why you think Melchizedek is Jesus or isn't Jesus. So Jonah, I'm going to, I'm going to be the gentleman and let you go first. What are you, no. <laughs> what are your thoughts with Melchizedek?
1: So to be honest, I've never even, I think it might've been a couple weeks ago or maybe last week. I can't remember. I've never even necessarily heard that this was a common thing question, that yeah. people, yeah, common question. Um, I always just thought, yeah, this is someone typifying Christ. And that's all I've heard. But ever since uh, this has come to my attention and then we read Hebrews chapter seven. Yeah, there are some interesting verses that I think uh, wisely we didn't necessarily (laughs) dive dive deep into. Uh, uh, But when it comes down to it, I still, even though it's, still kind of difficult to uh, come with a solid conclusion. I still believe he was a human king who was just a type of Christ, who was yeah. uh, just made to, for us to be able to look back into history and say, yes, Jesus is just like this high priest who used to, who was uh, not not the pre-incarnate Christ. And so that's where I still land, even though there are there are some valid and interesting arguments for. Uh, and actually, as we were reading, I even read that. Yeah, this might even be Shem, the son of Noah. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> this is this is a lot of confusion There's going on. A lot on. that goes on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So so I like that. Thank you for sharing your your point of view there. I'm going to share mine, and it's <clears throat> it's actually you're gonna some of you're gonna think, man. You're such a cop out. Because here's the thing: when when we started studying yesterday, Jonah will tell you I was like 99% sure it was a man, like 99%. Uh, my my surety has gone down, which is funny, uh, but that's the way I think it should be. As we study the word, we should let the word, you know, change our views. And as I was looking at it, I, I don't have a firm view. Either way right now, although I still do lean towards the human side, just because of the king, the kingness, it seemed like he was a human king. And if he was human, it couldn't have been Jesus. If it was an actual king who was reigning on earth at that point, because because uh, Jesus has not yet become human until the incarnation. If it was just him coming, you know, giving an appearance as the king of the heavenly Jerusalem, then it could have been Jesus. Like if, it, if that's what it's saying, and, and I'm just not convinced that's what it's saying yet. But as I read through Hebrews, there was a lot there that made me think, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is a pre-incarnate form of Jesus. We're not going to dive into the verses, but I, I guess we can give you the verse that that kind of was the one that made me way less sure it was a human and and almost straddle the fence 50-50. Uh, let me actually go there and show you here just so you can look at, oh man, my, my computer's being crazy here. Let me go here. So it says this in verse number, was it eight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, verse eight. Look at this. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. That verse, that verse alone was one that made me go from like 99% sure it was a human to like almost 50. (laughs) I was like, well, that's a hard one to interpret because it's showing that for somehow this Melchizedek is still living and still receiving tithes. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I might be misinterpreting it. And that's why I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. But that's where I land with Melchizedek. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and your guys' questions on that. But Jonah, thanks for being on with us today. I am thankful that you're here. Thankful for all of you who watched and stuck out through this. We're going to continue through some intense passages. Chapter (laughs) 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, they don't get easier. They are intense passages that are for those who are wanting to press on to perfection. And so, friend, I'm thankful you're here. Check us. I I believe, Lord willing, we'll be doing this again next week, next Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific time. And so we'll see you guys all then. But until then, stay encouraged in the Lord.